Welcome to La Casablanca Pod. I am your host, B, here, post-game, Elche, 3-0. Real Madrid can continue their unbeaten streak. They are the only unbeaten team, not only in the league, but in Europe, all of Europe. How, I'm here with my friend, O. How are we doing today? We're doing great. I'm doing great. Team's doing great. Everyone's doing great. Was a beautiful game, beautiful scoreline. Enjoyed it very much. Um, and yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling great at the moment. That's good. Per usual, get the lineup two hours beforehand. When you saw the lineup, what were your thoughts? Finally, finally, the back line that I've been waiting for in a long, very for a for a very long time finally happened. And um, Ancelotti picked the perfect game to just bench Mendy, play Alaba left back. Um, yeah, honestly, that's that that's the first thing that popped into my head. You know, it's it's the usual midfield, it's the usual attack, no surprises there. But you know, the back line—that's what I was most. That was what. That's what I was uh, looking forward to. Yes, and you know, one difference, you know, in midfield was Chuameni was missing to start the game. And, you know, to me that was actually what stuck out because you know, you work your way, you're like keeper, yeah, obviously. I saw no Mendy, I was like, ooh, but I was like, Yeah, okay, like I can see it. You know, like I this I would I expected that for this game because of the fact that you know, that's kind of been the trend recently you know in these games where we're playing a team that can't really hurt us in transition or they can only hurt us in transition and we're going to control the tempo of a game um alibut left back but i saw no two of many and i was like good to see this kid getting rest and then i was like all right cool i like the front three to me you know just get ready for Sevilla on the weekend and you know just keep stacking as many points very nice to see rudiger in the lineup i you know i, I swoon over him almost every single podcast but Great to see Rudiger in the lineup. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I wasn't really surprised that Chuamani wasn't uh, wasn't starting that game. I kind of i i i predicted that he would be benched, but I thought that um, Kamavinga would be the one to replace him. Um, but I was pleasantly surprised to see Tony Cruz in that holding mid. Uh, position, which I will say he played great in that position, as he almost always does, as opposed to uh, so many, as opposed to what people might think that he can't play in that in that position because you know he's not your typical physical player, but you know it's, it's still Tony Cruz. He can boss any midfield in the world. So yeah, I I, I honestly I loved him in that role, especially against Elche. No, they, they didn't give us um, they, not many threats, especially through the middle. So, you know, Tony Cruz didn't have a lot of defensive. Um, he he did, you didn't really have to work about worry about his defensive work rate because you know Elche weren't really present uh, in the offense. But but yeah, I really enjoyed him in that role, and I really enjoyed that midfield as a whole. You know, and that's why you know that. This type of game, this type of team is the perfect game to play this very attack-minded lineup, I would say. You know, you got a DLP, like a legit DLP that doesn't need, that isn't going to do as much defensive work as your 
you know, Casemiro or Chouameni and Cruz. You get your attacking left back and Alaba over Mendy, who isn't as good in attacking, you know, which we'll use, I'll use this as a segue into the next point, you know. This is both of our favorite defensive lines. This is what we want to see. This is our Gala 11 defense. You know, that run by Alaba that Benzema ruined by being off sides, marginally, it was really close. And, you know, I, I'm not going to get mad at him for that, but we'll get into offsides goals here later in the pod. But, you know, that run, that give and go, that whole sequence just revolved around Alaba, and it was because he was at left back and he had that kind of freedom. And it's something that I have missed seeing, and I have enjoy- and I very much enjoyed about Marcelo, who I believe to be the greatest left back of all time. You know, Alaba, he's no Marcelo, but, you know, he's definitely a lot better than Mendy. And, you know, I just want to point to the fact that all those people that talk about how good Mendy is going forward, if Carlo Ancelotti genuinely believed that, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, you know, when we need a goal, be like, okay, Mendy's coming off, Rudiger's coming on, and Alaba's being shifted out wide. You know, if he believed that Mendy was that guy, then he would allow him to attack. He, he, People are like, oh, like Carlo doesn't want him to attack. Like, yeah, no crap, because Carlo doesn't want him to attack because he's not that good at attacking. He's not as, you know, he's not terrible, you know, but he's not, he's literally, he'd be a good attacking left back in like Maldini's era, you know, where like left backs weren't pushing up the field but in today's day and era he is not a good at left attacking left back he is mediocre at best yeah i mean nothing to add on my part um i just i'm not you know i'm not the biggest mendy fan actually i'm not a mendy fan at all and honestly like so with alaba is now when when Rudiger is on the bench, what happens is Alaba is brought on um, for Mendy and he plays at left back. Or Rudiger is brought on for Mendy and Alaba plays at left back because Alaba usually stores a, a center back. But when Alaba is starting at left back, he's just he stays there, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to use that extra sub that we make pretty much ninety percent of the time, right? Um. And you could be like, oh, it's because, you know, we didn't, it was because it's Rudiger, right? He's one of the best defenders in the world. He has to play. But like that, that same um, substitution happened last season when we didn't have Rudiger, right? We only yeah, had Nacho. Nacho subbing on, which so, is fine. Nacho's a great center back, one of the world's best. Yeah, but it's just. It's ridiculous. It's just it, it's ridiculous to uh, to think that Mendy is um, sh- that Mendy should be our starting uh, our starting left back. Honestly, like we should we should be looking, and I'm I'm pretty sure that we are. We should be looking for a left back. We should, like if Alaba feels uncomfortable playing in that position, although he plays great there, I don't know why he feels so uncomfortable in that position. He made a great run today. He scored an amazing goal. Like I loved everything about that goal, mm-hmm. apart from the offside, which you know. Again, I'm gonna blame Benzema for that because, yeah. Uh, honestly, and I would, I would like to blame um, the offside rule as a general, as a as a whole, because you know it's it's just it's just ridiculous. It's 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 down to the millimeters now, which you know, which doesn't really make sense to me. But you know, yeah, 
it, it's still a rule, but you know, I, I just I feel like Benzema could have done more to stay on side. He just didn't. Um, but I, but either way, uh, I digress. I fucking loved Alaba left back and Mendy. He's just not good enough. Period. Yeah, and you know, I I for me in certain games that's the right decision or it could be or I could see why it's the right decision for some. Um but you know, I just don't really have anything else to say on the Alba left back, but you know, I I do want to get in Rudiger and how awesome he is every single time he puts on the white shirt that dude is immense i mean he is just so good and he deserves to start every single game in this team and right now for me mendy's the weak link and that's why he should be left out for rudiger so i don't know if you've seen it but you know we talked about how you know rudiger is that guy who's always provocative you know he's that pepe sergio ramos type of player who's always mm-hmm. provoking players the opposition who opposition players who act like assholes and jerks and you know um i don't know if you've seen it but you know near the tail end of the game we had a corner and some and and lj's captain you know he was he was pushing rudiger he didn't want him to score so he he was grabbing his shirt and grabbing him and ref just Mm -hmm. did nothing so what rudiger did you know he got in his face he started pushing him around started making fun of him you know he he, he he ended up pushing him on the, on the ground and getting a yellow card. I loved the fact that he did that. I don't care if he got a yellow. The Elche's um, captain was being an asshole, so Rudiger told him, well, you're being an asshole, right? 99, 99% of the time, our, our players would have, you know, said nothing. If that was, you know, if that was David Alaba, if that was... Um, Sure, many, you know, whoever it was, our players would have just done nothing. They wouldn't have fought back. But, you know, just having Rudiger, you know, besides the fact that he's a great defender, that he's one of the best defenders in the world, he's just his presence on the pitch just, it makes me feel safe. And I would really love to have him on the pitch every single game. Yeah, and to me, he's one of those guys that deserves to be on the pitch as much as possible. And, you know, his partner today was Militao, who was also has been amazing this season. And he continues to be awesome. Undroppable for me. And he's one of those guys that we probably should talk about more. And maybe Rudiger being here has brought up his level. Or maybe he need you know, because we know at the last, tail end of last season, there was questions being asked whether he should be starting the Champions League final which isn't normal for a guy that can be as good as him, right? But he's been that guy this year, and he continues to be that guy. And it's just it's it's been a joy to see him back in the form that we all expect to see him in. So, Carlo Ancelotti... Um, said that he the, what really surprised him was the fact that Melitao, Fede Valverde, and um, um, Melitao were not in the uh, Ballon d'Or top 30. And for me, you know, that's very justified because when you look at the you know, when you look at the list, you see a player like, um, you know, AC Milan's Mike 
I, I don't even know how to spell it, uh, how to pronounce his name, but their goalkeeper, Mike, Mike. Magnan, Magnan, or something like that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, he's in the top 30. He's actually in the top 25 players. He was awesome last year, I will say. Yeah, but not top 30, especially when you look at, you know, a player like Alaba, a player like Maladar, a player like Vidi Valverde, and not in top 30. I'm just, to me, that makes no sense. Um, so, you know, when you look at that list, and, you know, even Sebastian Haller is on that list. I understand he had a. Yeah, I understand he had a great season, but when you look at the overall achievements, the overall performance, the level that Militao, Fede, and uh, Militao played in, they sh- you, you know, said Militao sh- twice. I think you mean Alaba. Yeah, Alaba, Militao, and, uh, and Fede. Um, they should be in the top 30 because they played in a high level. They were consistent for pretty much all season. And guess what? They won. And you keep on winning. But they're not in that list. For me, that was very disappointing. Um, but... But yeah, it was just Melatau. He's been immense lately. He had a shaky start to the season. I know we talked about it a lot, but but now you know he's just he's been he's been very consistent and he's been he's been amazing. And like we said before, if he continues to play like this, he's just he's he's gonna be the best defender in the world, hands down. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be. I already know he's going to be. And, you know, for a guy that we bought from Porto for as much as, or as little as we did, I would say, considering Delic went for, what, 120 or 110 or something that same exact summer, you know, or even like if it was 100. 70, 75. Really, that was you it? Know, but, That's all he went for? Yeah, but, you know, you can, honestly, a better comparison, you can just, you know, mention Harry Maguire. Who went yeah, for well. ninety one mil, ninety one euros? But I don't know how much in sterling, but ninety one ninety one euros. That's as much as Cristiano Ronaldo. That's how, that's how much. That's as much as what Real Madrid paid for Cristiano Ronaldo. So, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, either way, just the price we paid for a young kid that's going to be a top defender who you know has areas that he needs to improve on. His ball playing skills aren't great. He's not really great under pressure, but these are things that will come with age. And usually, the older you get, the better you are at these things. You know, he relies on his athleticism a lot and his instincts, which will eventually will go. But you know, usually by the time those things leave, you are now a better defender because your positioning's better, your ball playing skills are better. You know, the the extra parts of the game. You know, kind of like how we saw with Ramos. You know, Ramos aged like fine wine in a lot of ways. You know, until the injury bug hit, he was as good at 34 as he was at 28, you know? Yeah, I mean, just defenders in general, especially center backs, they improve with age because, Mm -hmm. um, because defenders don't run as much. Defenders, um, the aspects of being a defender, pretty much most, a lot of it just comes to experience because the more you deal with attackers and the more positions you're put in, the more you learn specifically what you need to do. So, because, you know, you look at Rudiger, um, 
know, six. He's now in his thirties, I think. He's like, uh, what, he's like twenty nine. Yeah, he's he, like twenty nine, he, maybe twenty eight. I'll look it up. Yeah, so yeah, so he's almost uh, thirty. You know, six years ago, you know, he's twenty nine. He twenty nine. So, you know, when he was at um, Militao's age, you know, he wasn't that the guy that he wasn't Rudiger that we know today. He wasn't the beast that we knew today. So, you know. Nope. So yeah, and you look at Pepe for like I like to use the Pepe example more than I like to use the uh, Ramos one because Pepe he's he's thirty eight, thirty nine, he's almost forty, right? And honestly, like when I watch him with Porto and I watch him with the national team, he's still one of the best defenders in the world. Honestly, he's a beast, and um, that wasn't the case when Pepe sort of. Playing for Real Madrid when he was at when he was like 23, 25, 25, 24. Um, you know, at that age, he was nowhere near as good or, uh, or as experienced as he was today. It was actually pre- it was pretty woeful to watch. I mean, he was a very wo- woeful defender and he was very aggressive. But now he's just one of the best defenders of all time, uh, if I might say so myself. And I think that's what's going to happen with Militao. You know. The more games he plays and the more experience he gets, especially with a club like Real Madrid, he's gonna be he's gonna be an all timer. He just has to yeah, he just has to put in the work, he has to stay consistent. Yeah, and he'll get there, I think, you know, and that's he the thing is is right now he has been consistent, so you know, he's kind of gotten what he's deserved to this point, um, so to speak, right? And he deserves to play as much as he has recently. He deserves to, he doesn't, you know, he deserves to just be at Real Madrid and he makes that well known. And, you know, remember when Zidane was coaching, you know, people weren't calling for his head or anything like that, but, you know, people weren't that high on Militao. They were, you know, he played that one, I think it was against Betis. Like he played right back and he was okay at best. And like, I I think that game was blown out of, proportion but as a defender specifically a defender it takes a lot of rhythm and just like a striker you know when strikers going cold you know you can't expect them just to be bagging goals when a defender comes in cold you know in one-on-one situations that's just like scoring in games is a lot harder than scoring in practice defending in games is a lot harder than defending in practice you don't have that extra pressure and you know he played right back at Porto after remember when they brought in Pepe, he played right back in um, Brazil and you know, he moved to center back cause he was actually a center back. He was just kind of being forced to play right back. And you know, he's been great for Real Madrid at center back. And you know, I honestly, I think he would be good at right back too. If he got, you know, if we ever needed a makeshift right back in a really big game, you know, let's say Mendy's out and Alaba has to play left back and Rudiger and Nacho, Militao and Carvajal's out. I'd much rather see Militao on, at right back than Vasquez if we were playing like a Champions League final, so to speak. That's how much I trust him as a defender. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I do remember one of the games that he played at right back. It was against Liverpool. And that was around the time that we really solidified our, um, our, our interest in him. You know, and everyone was watching it because, you know, he's, he's the next 
uh, Real Madrid signing, and it was at Anfield, and he played amazing. He was he was awesome that game. That, yeah, it was one of the best uh, players on the pitch. So, you know, Militao, he you know he has that. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it, but he's just he he's a beast. He's he's just he's a monster. Um, and honestly, I think I just I love his personality and I love his, his leadership. And I like and I just I love I love how <laughs> I love how he can make attackers feel like shit. <laughs> um, so so he just he's just he's just he's that good, and he just he's, he he knows how to piss attackers off. He pissed Lewandowski off a lot, and you could tell that Lewandowski was very, very, very pressed because Militao pocketed him. Um, but, but yeah, honestly, I just I can't wait to see how much, just how much he improves because we've seen nothing yet, not even twenty percent. So I just I can't wait to to see what type of defender that Militao is gonna be. Yeah, and you know. Like we already talked about, you know, defenders don't, they're not usually this good, this young. And even when they are, they they usually hit some bumps in the road. Think about how, how highly everyone thought of Matthias Delic when he was at Ajax and how lowly people think of him now at Bayern. You know, it costs Juve more money to buy him than it costs Bayern. And that really doesn't make any sense because he's still a player well before his prime. He's probably what, like 23, 24 right now? You know, and this yep. is a guy who is going to be probably one of the best defenders of this generation. With he, it's probably going to be him and Millie Tower, probably going to be the two best of this gener- this upcoming generation. If you were to look at it now in five years, it might be completely different because you know there might be some nobody like Rudiger who is playing at a good club but not a great club that we don't really pay that we're not really paying attention to that really comes into his own. Like you know, like think about how lowly not lowly VVD was thought of, but like VVD was a nobody, bro. And that's what bothers me when people talk compare him to Ramos is that like this dude was a nobody before Liverpool. Ramos was cutting it at Real Madrid since he was literally 18. Do not compare these two, please. Like stop. Like we need you to stop now. But you know that's a different point for a different day, and I don't want to get into that. But with how young Militao is and what he's doing right now, it is so impressive. And I just hope that Rudiger being there and giving him proper rest and Nacho being there and giving him proper rest, I hope that he keeps his form for the rest of the year because I will genuinely get on my soapbox and I will fight to the depths of the earth talking about how great he is because last year, at the beginning of last year, I was telling everyone I thought he was the best center back in Europe. And people talk about Real Madrid bias from Real Madrid fans. And you know what? You're probably right. I will sit here and fight for Tony Cruz to be the best midfielder in the world. Fede Valverde to be a top three player right now. Vinicius to be a top three player right now. You know, and there are arguments for other players, but for me, that's the truth. And, you know, maybe that's my truth because I'm a Real Madrid fan. But those players are legit some of the best players in the world. And they prove to me week in and week out that they are. And, you know, that's why I go to war for these guys. I mean, if you're, um, you know, for example, if you're a Manchester City fan, and um, you know, you think Foden is the best, um, best midfielder in the world, or De Bruyne is the best midfielder in the world, or um, you think Foden is the best young player in the world, all I'm just gonna say is just put your Champions League on the table. Just do honestly do it. Put put your um, 
your ma- your masterful um, Champions League performance on the table. You just you don't have one. Gavi, you just we just won Copa, right? Yeah, name I talked one about big that on game. my podcast. Yeah, just name one big game that he performed. You know, he, he had that you know that that masterful, um, dominant performance in. And I'm ta- and I'm saying big game, not a game against Elche, not a game against um, Mallorca, not nah, a dominant game. Games like the ones that, he scored you know, against Atletico because I literally went through all of his stats and looked at him because I was complaining about him on my Kareem Ball Dayor podcast. Yes, I'm plugging that. If you want to go listen, it's a solo pod by me just complaining about the Ball Dayor. But yeah, it, he was not good in any games last year. The only big team he scored against was Atletico and goals and assists on everything for midfielders. And that's not what I'm trying to get at. But when you, my biggest complaint was Florian Wirtz, who had 10 goals and 14 assists last year and got 10th and tore his ACL. And <laughs> it just bothered me. And I know it bothers you because we've talked about it. Oh, I mean. I am trying hard not to turn this into a uh, agave hate fest, but boy, did Kamavinga deserve that award? Uh, anyone ch- but Gavi, <laughs> seriously, anyone but Gavi. I mean, I talked about it. You know, I'm just, I'm just gonna mention this, but I, yeah, I talked about it on Twitter, and I said that Florentino Perez was, was indeed right. People do not watch football. The, you know. It, the 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 people who who vote for the um for the Co- for the Copa Trophy, the award, are ex Ballon d'Or players, not journalists. They're they're ex Ballon d'Or winners. So players like Modric, um, Cristiano, Messi, uh, Zidane, blah blah blah. These are the players that voted for Gavi to win it, right? Um, so my Messi point is voted. that's that's the big one right there. He does he get seven votes, six votes. Imagine <laughs> that would be terrible. Uh, <laughs> um, so the point is, uh, did these players actually watch Gave play in Europa League last season? Do they actually tune into his um, his games in La Liga? Because I'm very doubtful that they that they do. Um, so thing is. They they're like normal people. Like they 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 don't watch the games. They just tune in to social media, and they base their opinions based on you know the hype. You know, uh, a bunch of Barcelona fans on Twitter will say that Gabi had a great game when he actually didn't, right? And that that's that's the media hype. That's the that's the hype that gets people to vote. It's all about PR, right? But people don't actually watch games because if you do watch Gavi, he's, he's, he does nothing. He, he does nothing, and it's 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 so it's so ridiculous that even when you're listen when even when you're watching a game and Barcelona are playing and Gavi is starting and he's he has the ball, if you listen to the commentator, he's he's praising Gavi before he even does anything, and you continue to watch the game and Gavi does nothing, but the commentator is still praising him and calling him a, a, a you know a promising young player. So it's they all they're all eating up to the media hype and the PR, but no one is actually watching the game. Yeah, I you know I have nothing else to add on that point because you know I thought that 
you know, I can, and Nagalsman said it, he said, I don't know how Gavi wins it over Musiala or Bellingham. And, you know, to me, there's four players on that list, Kamavinga, Musiala, Bellingham, and Florian Wirtz that all deserve that award more than Gavi. Take away the numbers, take away everything. Those four players deserve that award more than Gavi. You know, you want to talk about the PR machine that Barcel- that Real Madrid is? Check out the PR machine that Barcelona is because that is much, much worse. I mean, it's tenfold worse. I mean, why else would Lewandowski go to Barcelona? I mean, he doesn't want to play for Barcelona. He, he, he just wants the PR. The only reason that Lewandowski was in the top five of Ballon d'Or, top four, he was in the top, I think he was top three, was he? Or top four? He was four, was right? This? Lewandowski. He was, this year he was four or five. He was four because Mosala was five. Yeah. So if if you're Lewandowski and you're in fourth, he shouldn't be in top five even this year. He shouldn't. He just, he just shouldn't be. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, my Ballon d'Or list is just just a bunch of Real Madrid players, and I think that's fair. I think T. I think it's Benzema, Thibaut, uh, Vinicius, um, Luka Modric. They should all be in top five. But you know, you can call me biased as much as you want. But I have the stats and I have the achievements to prove it. He, he got players like so, Mane. Yes, I understand Mane won uh, Fcon, whatever, but. You know what did De Bruyne do? He won the Prem. A league they always win every year. Yeah, yeah. The, the toughest league in the world. That you know, Man City won like six times in the last eight years, or some shit like that. Um. So, so yeah, it's just it's it's ridiculous. Like, uh, if you watched Kamavinga against PSG, if you watched Kamavinga against Manchester City, dude, how can how can you watch these games and think? Damn, Gabe is amazing. Because Kamavinga did it on a big stage. He did it in games that matter, games that won Real Madrid the Champions League. While Gabe, he played in the Europa League and he got kicked out by Frankfurt. To me, just it it's it's ridiculous. It's honestly ridiculous. Yeah, and you know. To get off the ball, they or Copa Yashin, whatever you want to talk about, rant. Um, offsides goals. It's 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 becoming quite often that Benzema's getting offsides, and either we're finishing goals or you know something else is coming from it. Um, just we're offsides a little too much for my liking. It's killing chances. Just stay on sides. I know it's easier said than done, but we got to stay on sides. Oh man, honestly, like it's been a Benzema problem since the beginning of time. Like Benzema, he was like Benzema five years ago was not the same Benzema that we know today. He wasn't, he didn't score much goal, many goals. He was some, he was a player that you know he was bailing Ben, bailing Cristiano's wingman, right? So Cristiano mm-hmm. left and he became the main man, the goal scorer. He improved as a player, blah blah blah, and. One thing that he didn't work on or improve is his positioning. I still think that Benzema's positioning is probably his worst trait. I used to think that Benzema's finishing was his worst uh, trait, but he improved his finishing. He became a better finisher. But now, for the he, not only when it comes to offside, but 
his positioning in general is so bad. And I think it's mainly because of his style of play, because he likes to drop deep a lot. So uh, when Benzema drops deep, you know, when he plays a through ball, you know, there is no one in the box. There's just there's just mm-hmm. no one in the box to finish the the to finish the chance that Benzema wanted to create. So there's always th- that that little piece is is always missing. That all that last cross in the box that you know that that's that's not that's not meant for anybody. No one is in the box to finish it. No one's no one's there to capitalize on that chance that Benzema wanted to create. So. Yeah, honestly, he can't stay on. He think he can't stay on side. He just like I, I understand it's just a few millimeters, but he had the space to, um, he had the space to break that line easily. But it's just, it's just disappointing. It's honestly, just disappointing. And like I said, it's just it's something that he should improve on. Something that he should work on. But honestly, at this age, I don't even know if he would even consider work, working on it but i think he should i don't I, like i don't think he even sees it as a problem like most players don't it's just, it's just something that happens but it is something that you need to work on yeah and you know it's not really something that at his age he's probably going to work on which i guess is fine um i have nothing else to say about the offsides golds but you know i do want to mention uh lunin who i thought was awesome today and has been awesome since you know tebow's gone down ah uh, like remember when we talked about on a podcast like three podcasts ago <laughs> when when i said that you know he looted he's conceding goals but he's not saving anything because the goals because you know he he, he concedes just one goal each in every game, but you know there are that just one shot on target that he cannot say that's the one goal that he concedes. But mm-hmm. you know he's not getting tested. He's not. There are no shots on target that really that can really test his abilities. You know within you know his actual abilities to save the ball because you know some shots are just impossible to save. Um. So I was happy that he got tested, and I'm, and I was happy. That you know he he did exactly what I thought he would do. He was a savior. He was he was amazing today, and not only um, the saves that he made, but you know his passing accuracy and he he's a he's really good with his feet, um, which is something that I didn't really know much. Which you know makes sense because you know we we ne- we barely even see him play, but he was really good with his feet. Um, so. Obviously, Sevilla next game. Courtois is definitely going to start that game, but did they say that? No, but he's back in training. He's back in. Oh, training, is he? So he oh, okay. So he mo- so he most well, likely, that's good to uh, know. Yeah, unless he relapses, which is you know, being be. I'm very familiar with sciatica, so I know for a fact that he could wake up tomorrow with with the worst pain ever imagined, mm-hmm. um, and he could be sidelined for another week or so. So, um, so he honestly he should, he should he should just take his time, um, but I know he's gonna play against Sevilla. He must want to play against Sevilla. Um, just hope that you know he doesn't get hurt again. But you know, back to Luton. Um, I just hope that um, the saves that he made today and his performances since Courtois has been injured. I just hope that Carlo would be willing to play him 
more often, even with when Courtois is healthy. Like even goalkeepers need rest, um, especially when you're especially when you're dealing with sciatica, and so close to the World Cup as well. So. Yeah, it was good to see him get minutes, and it's good to see him in the fold of things and actually being able to see what we have out of Lunin, which we didn't really know. I mean, we all thought he was good, but we didn't really watch him because he hasn't really played since he's come here, even on loan. Uh, Just games here and there, but again, just like defense, just like in the attack, you know, goalkeepers need rhythm and you know that's usually why they don't rest because they don't exert as much energy as other players and you know rhythm's really important and you know that's why being a backup goalie is probably the best and worst job in the world it's the best because you only play when you're needed and you're not needed that often and it's the worst because you know you probably want to start but with all that being said i i think that he has what it takes to be, you know, a top-tier goalkeeper, and it's something I would personally like to see him actually get a chance at a big club, you know, a mid-table Europa League club, and, you know, I, I think he's a little too good to be Real Madrid's backup. And, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but, you know, that's just my opinion, and I, I'm going to stick to that opinion. I, you know, I would like to see him at like a mid-table La Liga club, but the problem is, is no club's going to take a goalkeeper on loan that they're only going to have for a year and actually like play him religiously unless they think they have a chance of signing him long-term. I mean, I think that, you know, Lewin is <sighs> the Rodrigo of goalkeepers. Um... He's a player that, you know, I would love for him to stay, but I just don't see how he fits in, in the club's future plans if he wants to play every single game and if he wants to be a starter because Courtois is still very young, especially when you're a goalkeeper. You know, he has, like, what, six more years to play? You know, unless he magically um, uh, goes to the Prem again, which I very doubt that he will do because he moved to Real Madrid for his kids. Um, so I don't see Courtois wanting to leave. And I don't want to see Courtois leave. And he has at least five, six years of, you know, um, five, five or six years of Real Madrid unless, you know, he gets injured or whatever and wants to retire. Um, so it's going to be very, very hard for Lunin to get game time. It's going to be very, very hard for Lunin to start for Real Madrid. So, yeah, I know the club is trying to renew his contract. I know he's happy at Real Madrid, but if we're going to, if we're talking about the best, um, the best decision for his career as a whole, it's definitely away from Real Madrid, unfortunately, because he's definitely too good for the bench. And, He's just it's 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 unfortunate, but it it is what it is. It's 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 just it's unfortunate, but what are you gonna do? Yeah, and you know that actually is. I'm gonna use this as a segue to another player that I think should get away, and Danny Ceballos, who actually it's kind of disappointing to not see him on the bench because this would have been the perfect game for him, in my opinion. Uh, you know, 
come either to start or come on as a sub. And right now we only have five midfielders that, you know, play. You know, I don't really know uh, other than Fede. And, you know, Fede also mixes in on the right wing. So, you know, on days we only have one midfielder sub, so to speak. And, you know, today would have been a good day for Ceballos to either start or come off the bench. And I think this would have been a game where he could succeed in. I mean, I agree. Um, You know how much I love Danny, but just unfortunate that he got injured. Um, I I heard a lot of negative feedback when um, he started against Osasuna. And, no, he didn't have the best game, but at the... Was it Usasuna? Yeah, it was Usasuna, I think. I'm not sure yeah. which game it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was Usasuna because it's, it's the first game after the uh, international break. Um, yeah, so he started against Usasuna and we drew. And a lot of people criticized Dan- Daniel for his performance, but you know the entire their entire team wasn't didn't really play good, play well in that in that game. So people just keep shifting when it comes to Danny Ceballos. He plays, he plays, he plays, he plays well. And people were like, "Oh, Danny Ceballos is actually good." Why did I think? Why did I think? Why did Arsenal fans um, make us believe that he was he was bad? And then he has one off game that he's not. You know, he was apparently injured in. You know, because that was the last game that he played, and then we got the news that he was injured. Um, and 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 and, and people just start saying that he should he should leave. He's not as he's not good for Real Madrid. He's an average player. Just it. It's it's stupid. Our fans, our fan base, are just a bunch of moron, morons sometimes. But yeah, I do agree that Danny could have um, that game could have been really good for Danny Ceballos. He might he might have even gotten a goal or insist something to uh, something to help my case to finally uh, for him to get the uh, renewal offer that I'm I'm seeking so bad for him. Uh, which he might actually turn down. And I actually, um, I read that uh, he, uh, he, him and, uh, and Betty started, um, started talks for his transfer uh, for next year. So I think it's pretty much done. He's going to go back to Betty's, um, which sucks for me because I would, you know, he's one of the, my favorite players and I would like to see him play for Madrid, but I also know he's too good. He's also one of those players who are too good to be left on the bench. So, but yeah, I I can't I can't wait till he's actually back. I think he's gonna be back by next week, um, which is good because he was rumored to be out till after the World Cup, which might which would have sucked. But you know, if he plays against Sevilla, which you know, which is Betis' arch nemesis, um, <laughs> I mean that's gonna be that's that's gonna be a game that he wants to play. So yeah, it's just I I hope to see him as soon as possible. Yeah, and you know, I, I've been saying this for a long time. You know, I think it's best for him to leave, just because I think that's best for what his career path is. You know, I think a Betus is probably his level, and you know, that's a good level to be at. You know, not everyone can be starters for the top club in the world or one of the top clubs in the world. You know, I think his style of play probably would have been better suited for Barca, and if he was at Barca, he would have been lauded as the next. You know. Xavi or Ionesta like they do with every single midfielder but you know he chose to come here and you know unfortunately his time coincided with arguably the greatest 
midfielding trio of all time. And then, you know, three up and coming fantastic midfielders in Fede, Kamavinga, and Chuameni. So, you know, it's not really his fault, but I think it'd be best for him to go elsewhere. And, you know, oh, go. Um, no, I was just going to say, his Betis are suffering with a lot of injuries at the moment. So, you know, he's he's going to find his way into their midfield pretty easily. Um, sh- shout out to Canales for being the best midfielder in La Liga, hands down. And fuck Luis Enrique for not calling to the national team. <laughs> That's it. Plus, Betis, plus Betis are kind of on the older side, too, and could do some good getting a little younger in a lot of areas. Um, yeah, jo- Joaquin still got like five years left in him. Yeah. You know, um, and then, you know, I want to segue that to another, you know, expiring contract with, you know, Marco Asensio, who scored the third gold today. And, you know, he looks involved. He looks actually happy, which is kind of surprising. And, you know, the rumors of him wanting to stay, you know, how do you feel about that? So, honestly, I I think um, I think Luis Enrique is going to call him to the national team, and that, and he think he knows that that Luis Enrique counts on him despite the fact that he doesn't play, and I think that's why he's happy because he knows he's going to play in the World Cup no matter what, right? Which is you know it's every player's dream, and it's it is to play in the World Cup. Like I didn't expect Luis Enrique to call him to call him up in the last uh, international break, but he did, even though he practically got zero minutes with Real Madrid up until the international break. Um, so yeah, I, I think that he looks happy because he knows that his decision to stay at Real Madrid, and if I if I might say so myself, to get a hefty. Um, Signing bonus, which he won't actually get because no one really cares about about a sense of that much to pay him what ten mil that he wants uh, as a free agent. I know Milan is not gonna do it, um, but yeah, I like I don't like to hate on one of our players, but I just it, it it's sad with Asensio because you know he comes on as a sub. He scores a goal. He starts the next game, plays like shit, and then back, back to that. He's benched mm-hmm. again, scores again, starts again, plays like shit, and and so on and so on. So I just it's it, it's pointless. It's pointless because it's it only harms the team that he. It actually harms the team that he scores because he will start the next game and he will play like ass. Um. I think well, yeah. he's well beyond a starter right now in Carlo's mind. I do think he's jumped Hazard in the rotation, though. I mean, Hazard, I, I, even Mariano Diaz jumped Hazard in the rotations. Um, he's he's not he's not in anyone's plans, and it's it's sad, but it is what it is. But he should just he should just find himself another team. Same goes for Marco Asensio because he's not getting them uh, that renewal no matter what he does so you wouldn't accept marco asensio as a renewal then um no as a sub not even as a sub okay so actually i would um 
you know, he tends to score, even though some games he goes quiet, you know, like that one game, it was, remember, it was like we were playing with 10 men, but, you know, against these smaller teams, I, I do trust him against the smaller teams, because um, he seems to play well against these smaller teams, unlike he used to play well against the big teams off the bench, you know, when Zidane was manager, but, you know, for all the similarities Zidane and Carlo have as coaches, they also have, you know, very big differences and preferences for players. Um, and it doesn't seem like Carlo plays favorites. I can't say the same for Zidane, but I, I at this point, because if if Zidane was coach, I would not, I would not take, you know, I would not take Asensio on the team. If Zidane was coach, I wouldn't take Lucas Vasquez as my backup right back. But as Carlo as my coach, I, I you know, I, I would consider giving Asensio like a three-year deal and maybe, you know, hoping he either is with a salary reduction, um, hoping that he um, just does what I ask of him and, you know, scores seven, eight goals off the bench in the year, hopefully 10, you know, 10 to me is should be enough, but it depends on how many minutes he gets. I don't know how many goals he has this year right now. It's probably like two um, or three, but, you know, just he he knows how to find the back of the net. Um, and, you know, I, I think that could be useful for us next season, depending on who we bring in, though. You know, it depends on, you know, if we don't plan on, you know, bringing in a world class attacker, I, I'd keep a sense for another year. I mean, I'm 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 eyeing my my boy Brahim Diaz for that um, super sub role. So no more kill Asensio deals for me. I mean, I would love for Brahim Diaz to be here, but I think Brahim Diaz actually can make the club money while Asensio cannot. So, you know, to not them, a lot it might of money. just be a marginal difference. I don't know. I think Brahim, I, I think there are some clubs that would pay for Brahim, but he hasn't really been that good this year from what I've seen and what I've read and what I've heard. Um, inconsistent. Some games he's really good, some games not so much, kind of non-existent. So, you know, it sounds like Marco Asensio in today's, you know, in some games for us, but I, I would love for Brahim to get that shot. I think Brahim is more talented than Marco. I think Brahim is a better player than Marco, but you know, I also think Brahim actually has, you know, a work ethic to play for a club and, you know, want to do things while Marco Asensio seems okay sitting on the bench. I mean, Brahim can come and he can, he can get um, Theo Hernandez with him if he likes. I mean, I know for a fact that I would love that so much. The the two ex Madridistas finally back home where they belong. Any other talking points you'd like to talk about? No, I'm good. All right, I'm good as well. So thank you guys for listening to La Casa Blanca podcast. Go follow us on Twitter at La Casa Blanca pod if you would like. Also, give us a rating on the app that you're listening to us listening to us on. If you you know, get let us know what you think. You know, we're we're trying to grow this, and you know, we just figured we talk about Real Madrid so much, so we might as well just talk about them and post it. Uh, thank you all for listening. Hala Madrid, and have a wonderful day.